For those of you that don't know me, my name is Jim Podolsky, and Gil asked me to lead the group this evening. Um, since I'm not a Dharma teacher, you won't be hearing a Dharma talk. Rather, I'm going to talk a little bit about my practice, and then I'm going to give you all an opportunity to talk about your practice. What Gil suggested um, was that I share some of the things like uh, what brought me to practice, what things I found valuable, what things I found difficult, and what things keep me practicing. And so I'd like you to all reflect on those same questions uh, during the first part of this evening, and then um, we'll have an opportunity to share those with each other afterwards. The intention for this evening is really to help us get to know each other as members of the Sangha, um, developing those social connection and um, kind of a sense of intimacy. So I'd actually like to start by asking, seeing if we could all move in a little bit closer. Perhaps the people sitting in the chairs could move them in as well so that we kind of have more of a sense of um, closeness. You got the word right. It's been very wonderful. Gil asked me if I would lead the group um, last Thursday, and in the and I immediately had a big grin on my face and thought, "Boy, this is great." And he said, "You know, Jim, I'm not asking you to do this because you're special." <laughs> and I thought, "What?" I mean, my so that my smile lasted about five seconds, and then I realized that this was really uh, an opportunity to. Um, try to be useful to the Sangha, try to share um, what my experience has been and hope that we can develop some connection that way. Um, And it's also gave me an opportunity to to really reflect on all of those questions that I just asked earlier for myself and bring into a little bit sharper focus, why am I doing this? What brought me to practice was suffering which I think is what brings all of us to practice. My particular type of suffering, my particular brand, was um, obsession with a woman. I had fallen madly in love with her and developed some kind of belief system that um, if only she would become as obsessed with me as I was with, with her, we could both be happy. That my happiness somehow depended on her what she did, what she said, and how she felt. And in the midst of this really kind of craziness, I had enough clarity to realize that this was not kind of a a good strategy of life or a way to be happy. Um, And fortunately, a friend of mine had told me about having sat a 10-day retreat at um, IMS in Barrie, Massachusetts back in the mid-70s. And what kind of sense of um, silence and composure that produced for him. 
So I thought, you know, maybe that that's that might be the way to go to try to um, address this condition I found myself in. And he had also told me about Spirit Rock. So I did what anybody living in Silicon Valley would do. I went to the web and I typed in Spirit Rock in the Alta Vista uh, search engine. And sure enough, they had a website. And like any good spiritual group, it was three months out of date. So every all these wonderful retreats and events had all since come and gone. So I felt kind of discouraged about that. But I decided to push it a little further, and I went to the related links. And what I found was uh, a link to the website for this group, for the Mid-Peninsula Insight Meditation Center. And at the very next sitting that they had, I showed up. And I sat in the very back of the room, trying to be as inconspicuous as possible. And I had no training in Vipassana meditation. Uh, I had done uh, transcendental meditation, so I, I did transcendental meditation. And found that I really liked the stillness and the silence of this group and of this space. That there, It seemed like that, that cycle of thoughts and emotions that had been so troubling me slowed down maybe one or two percent. You know, enough that I could sort of perceive that there was some some effect from just sitting in silence. And then Gill gave this wonderful Dharma talk about the Four Noble Truths, about the existence of suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, and the path to attain that. And I was struck by the the clarity and the the honesty of that approach of really looking at at suffering kind of head on and but with compassion with a sense of kindness and, and gentleness and compassion um, really convinced me that this was the practice that I wanted to pursue and so for about the next year, I came every Monday night I'd come and I'd sit in the back of the room. And I'd find myself sometimes just feeling um, transfixed by the, the Dharma talks that um, I'd get into a reflective state and I'd really not want to break that mood or that state when the, the talk ended. And so I would pretty much just get up and walk out of the room and leave. And one of the things that I really liked about this group was that I didn't feel obliged to have to stay and talk to anybody or kind of shift into some persona that I thought I needed to project when I when I interacted with strangers. And that just that kind of the respect for my solitude and a chance to just stay with whatever arose during the Dharma talk um, was a really valuable part of the practice for me, just that, that solitude of practice. With time, I found that I wanted to share my practice or share what was coming up with others and also to hear about what it's like for them, what, what was going on with them. But I didn't really know how to do that. And just about that time, I was very fortunate that Elizabeth Buss <laughs> came walking up to me and said, I'd really like to be your Dharma friend. How about if we get together and talk about practice? 
Uh, coming from the Midwest, I'm not used to asking for anything directly. It's always got to be sort of, you know, subtle or something like that. So fortunately, um, she was much more direct, and I have been very grateful to, to Elizabeth's friendship over the years. And over time, I found other people in the Sangha that, that I could uh, talk to and, and um, spend time with. And about a year and a half ago, we actually started to formalize that with a group called the Dharma Friends, which some of you may be familiar with. It's a, a group of, uh, well, there's a steering committee of about nine people that um, set up uh, social activities so that we can get together and um, have fun and have conversation and really build spiritual friendships to support the kind of practice that um, leads us down the path. Those events uh, have included um, going to movies, going backpacking, going on hikes, um, going bowling, ballroom dancing, um, having uh, winter solstice events. And so that's become a very important part of my practice is having moved from thinking of it as strictly a solitary practice of of looking inward and and, and sitting in my solitude to including a social component of connecting with other people. Um, And so I guess the first plug that I wanted to make tonight was for the Dharma Friends, which advertise their events in the newsletter and also in some flyers that will be out on the literature table from time to time. Um, we also announced them on the listserv, if any of you are signed up on the list server. And we also announced them at the sittings, although I actually I think not on the Thursday night because there isn't usually a, a time for announcements. But if you are interested in having fun with other Buddhists, um, stay tuned to the Dharma Friends events. Let's see. Another component of practice that's um, uh, of this Sangha that's been very helpful for me has been getting involved in service work. About a year ago, I was asked if I would sort of do the Masters of Ceremony job for Monday night, which basically involved taking care of making sure the room got set up and that... um, Doing timing the sitting, um, making making announcements, asking for announcements, and making sure the chairs got put away and the money got counted and things like that. And it's been just a wonderful gift for me to be able to do that kind of service work. Um, I really took the job thinking that I was doing it for other people, but I've really found that it's it's as much for myself as for others, the sense of being able to uh, cultivate generosity and um, patience um, with all of the unusual requests that come in. And just a chance, again, for people, somehow people think that since you sit next to Gil, you know it all and come to me with questions. And so that that's just been a wonderful um, 
opportunity for me to to be of service to the Sangha. And that brings me to the kind of my second plug of the night. I'm also the volunteer coordinator for the Sangha. And so I'm always looking for people who are interested in doing volunteer work um, within the Sangha for uh, to help keep it running and, and keep it moving. Um, right now, I think we have about something over 70 people that do volunteer work in this Sangha. And with the impending purchase of a, of a church, we'll probably need more volunteers. So what I've done is I've put a list of uh, volunteer sign-up forms out on the literature table. And I encourage those of you who might be interested in participating in the Sangha in that way to um, stop by after the sitting and fill out one of the forms, uh, give us some contact information and what skills and what interests you have, and also what what amount of time commitment, you know, whether it's 15 minutes a week or, you know, one day a week or a couple hours or an hour every every month. Um, since we have so many jobs, I, I think that there'd be some way that we could help you all find some way to uh, help out. So uh, please give that consideration. Let's see. And then the final component of practice for me that's been important has been uh, going on retreats. When I started out practicing, uh, I would sit every day. I'd sit 45 minutes every morning, although I found that there was so much tension in my body that that really doing lying meditation was about all I could do. There was, you know, I was just found myself so stiff and and tight that I would just in the morning I'd just lay on the floor with my legs raised so I wouldn't fall asleep and just pay attention to what was going on and just amazed by what I found. And then with time, I decided I would try sitting meditation. So I bought a Zafu and um, practiced that way. And I found that sitting every day really helped develop a strength, uh, uh, you know, a, a kind of a bedrock of, of um, tranquility or just willingness to be able to face the times when I didn't want to sit, when things were just too uncomfortable or there was just too much up to, to really even want to face it. And so I found the daily sitting practice was a very valuable. It was a really good way to um, strengthen mindfulness. And I also did uh, one-day sittings that we have once a month over at St. Mark's. That was gave me some sense of what it was like to, to do more than just 45 minutes a day, but to really um, develop some continuity. And then about two years ago, I went on my first long retreat, a, a 10-day retreat. And in 10 days, I was able to go a lot deeper than what I was experiencing in the, the day-to-day sittings, that I could um, 
my mind would quiet down, my body would quiet down, and I'd just be willing to not know what was going to happen next. (laughs) And what would happen next would be some emotion would come up or some physical pain would come up um, or some just repeating thought pattern would come up over and over again. And I didn't really have to do anything about it. I could just sit and watch it from sitting to sitting. And I found at the end of that retreat, driving home, I really thought that I was on drugs. I was just so ecstatic. I just—I don't know what it was. It wasn't what I had expected at all. Um, I sort of imagined that it was going to be, um, you know, I felt like I was going to get a merit badge for having sat a retreat. You know, I sat 10 days in silence. But really, um, that overwhelming sense of joy that came out of, of doing it was... Um, just really sold me on making that a regular part of my practice. So that's that's something that um, keeps me in practice and something that I would really urge you all to consider looking at doing at some point in your in your practices um, going on on a longer retreat. Um, they range, I mean, we have day-long sittings at St. Mark's once a month, and then there's three-day retreats up at Spirit Rock or Jikoji. And um, the spectrum of, of retreats, there, there's a lot that are kind of in the 8- to 12-day range, but they go one month or two months or three months. Um, but there's there's some real value to that, so... And I'd encourage you all to consider that. So I think that's all that I have to say about my practice. And now I'd like to um, open it up for those of you who would like to share about your practice um, with the intention of helping us get to know each other. You know, we sit together and meditate and and listen to a Dharma teacher, but we may not know what's going on with the person next to us or even know what their name is. So um, I'd like to ask people that are willing to share to to just raise their hand. And um, if you would, I think it would be helpful if you would say your name so that we get to know who you are. (laughs) 